Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Looking good, he'll be in for a fight, and we fight pretty good. Getting goals is our job, and we get goals good. Looking good, we are Carlisle United. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get your Kynite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney, and I'm Mike Booth. It's finally here after 3,381 days. League One football returns to Brunton Park. We look back on the pre-season and give our thoughts on how United will perform across the campaign. Whilst we're looking at our opponents this weekend as Fleetwood Town make the trip to Cumbria. Now, once again, picked a really long and complicated uh, introduction there, just to <laughs> make things easy. Yep, 3,381 days since that. Miserable afternoon where we got beat 3-0 by Wolves in the uh, final game of the 2013-14 season. Eh? Does, does seem a long time, doesn't it, when you put it in, in those yeah. terms, doesn't it, Mike? Well, but, it has been. There's been a lot of suffering between then and now. Yes, and but now we're back. We're back in League yeah. One, and I think we all accept it's going to be a challenge. It's not going to be certainly as easy as last... Well, not say last season was easy, but, you know, it's, it's certainly unlikely to go the same way as last season, but... You never know, you never go, fingers crossed and all that. But um, but yeah, so we're back for the uh, first preview episode of the season. Thank you to everyone for your kind comments about the season preview that we did for League One the other day. Um, and uh, yeah, I've had a few people messaging me saying, is Mike serious with that top two prediction? So um, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're going to get a bit of stick from that over the season, especially if they don't actually do very well, well with them. So. We'll see. I mean, the thing is, is sort of, everyone's favourites don't always... Like, the league table doesn't always pan out the way that it should have come to favourites. And football would be very boring if it did. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. And I have had a few people to fair comment and ask me, are you serious about Oxford being down there at the bottom? Well, mm. yeah, you have to wait and see. I have to wait and see what happens. Um, first up, I've just got to say, the start, apologies. We have, we've maybe not made, been as clear on this one uh, in the last few episodes, but uh, a big thank you to the Car United Sports Club London Branch who are sponsoring the podcast again this season. First season in a row they've done this. It's brilliant. It basically covers our hosting costs online, so you can find the podcast in an easy way as possible and also get all the old episodes that are up there. It's about 150 plus now, I think, on there. I think maybe 160, 70 maybe. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it's really fantastic that they uh, provide support all season and you know, like I said, you can find them all the uh, the the XL the way games. You know, and um, if, if you want to join up, they're really good in terms of sorting out travel and tickets for those, and a bit of advice for pubs and stuff. So, uh, yeah, get to their website, carlislelondonbranch.org, to get more information about them. Right, Mike. Uh, before we get into the news, um, we're going to talk a little about the format for this season for the pod. So. This one's a little bit different because it's it's the opening one, so we're going to do a little bit more of like a, a news and look back on what's happened over the summer sort of thing in it before we preview the Fleetwood game. <clears throat> the aim this season is we're going to try and maybe split up the preview and the review episodes and try and do the reviews maybe on the Sunday. I'm going to basically play this by ear though because at the end of the day, it's all about how much time we've got available, isn't it? That's the issue for all mm. of us. And we've got a few more people signed up to potentially help in terms of hosting and stuff. So that's great. We might do a few more sort of instant reaction ones after games rather than waiting for a few days, possibly, if we could fit them in. So that's a possibility of something we're going to look at. But um, but this one's going to be slightly different in terms of the other episodes. Obviously, it's going to be a bit longer due to the fact that we've um, got a few more things to talk about. But the, the aim is to tighten the episodes up and get them a little bit tighter in terms of time as well, I think, because some of them were stretching out. So, you know, one and a half hours, one hours 40 last season, which is, 
I know some people like that because it's nice for long walks and things, but for others, I think it's a bit difficult to, to fit the time in for that, isn't it? So. Yeah, some people's dogs on the early morning dog walks have, have been knackered. So yeah, we need to. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> hard enough, but there you go. Um, right, so before we do the news, uh, we're going to start with the question of the week. And we're going to start this at the start of the episode now. So as you're listening along, you can try and maybe work it out. And then, sort of halfway through the episode, when we do the half time break, or maybe towards the end, we'll give you the answer. So obviously, Dan isn't with us this week. He's unfortunately having to work and he's just not available to record. So. Dan has provided us with the question for this week, and here it is. Now, this incarnation of a football team in Fleetwood has only been around since the late 90s. So they've only actually had a dozen or so managers, two of whom have actually managed Carlisle as well, uh, Stephen Presley and John Sheridan. The question confirms uh, concerns the latter of the two, John Sheridan. Uh, he was at Fleetwood just before he came to us. Uh, he managed 13 games for them and 32 for us. At which club did he have the better win percentage? And what was that win percentage? It's a very mathsy sort of question to open the season, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, Dan. Like Carol Vorderman on the show, isn't it? It's it's ridiculous. Um, right, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll give you the answer to that uh, just after the halftime break, basically on this week's episode. Um, okay, well that's enough then of that, Mike. Let's get into it with the news because um, we've got a bit to update actually. Because I think the last episode we did was just over two weeks ago. I think so. Plenty to fit in. First of all, there's only one bit we can start with, isn't there? Yeah. And that's of course oh, David Timmons being appointed. Oh. No, I'm joking. I'm only kidding. No, sorry. Um, we'll cover that in a minute. But Owen Moxon and the transfer saga involving him. Yeah, so this is one that basically came about, I think, about a week after we recorded last week, I think it was. Um, I think we all expected there was going to be an interest in Owen this summer. Mm. Um, don't think anyone anticipated we'll be lowballed by one of our League One rivals in the first bid for him, though, did we? And this would be no. out there and put in the public. So. Basically, a couple of weeks ago, Sky Sports News revealed on their little uh, tick at the bottom that uh, Blackpool had bit, had a bid of 250k for Moxon, knocked back by the Blues. Although some sources have suggested that, that it was actually 300k and we actually want three times that amount if we're going to sell him. Um, understandably, initially the Blues didn't uh, comment on these reports, but eventually a statement was issued the day after the rumours emerged. Um, the statement confirms that the offer had been received and turned down, but the, the, that, and I quote, the leaking of a confidential offer and its terms is unwelcome and clearly designed to unsettle the player, fans and the club. It went on to confirm that the club had actually offered uh, Owen a long-term contract uh, that had been made prior that offer to the bid coming in, and the club would like to continue to work with his agents on that offer to keep him here for the long term. And I think Simo's made a few comments about you know the fact that he could re- make a real impact and, you know, a real statement in terms of, you know, a, a legacy almost uh, mm. if, he, if he stayed on with the club, uh, Moxon. What's your initial thoughts on this one, Mike? Well, my initial thoughts are, is that I'm glad that we've turned down the offer. Um, I think Moxon will be vital for us if we're to sort of stay in League One yeah. this season. And financially, I think that is worth a lot more than, say, 250,000 quid. 100%. Hundred percent of it. I agree with you on that one. Um, my thoughts on this are: 
Normally the club don't come and things like this, understandably little tittle-tattle and rumours and stuff like that. Well, you fact- say that though, but the amount of t- we had it in January where there was rumours about him and Simo said there's been no offers. There's been, so, yeah, but that, 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 to be fair, that, that's more of Simo saying there's been no offers for our players, isn't it? That's a more general yeah. kind. They don't, but when there's nothing, they'll say there's nothing. Yeah, they, they generally don't comment on specific rumours like mm. this usually. Now, my feeling is, if the offer from Blackpool or any other club came in, and it was a lot nearer to our valuation. Let's say our let's say our valuation is nine hundred grand. The offer comes in. It's what six fifty, seven hundred grand. I don't think they then get involved in this. You know, disappointed in it being leaked sort of thing. I think there's more a case at that point. You say right, if you're going to make an offer, you're going to have to up it a little bit and be more mm. serious. I think the fact that it's lowballed us so much, and the fact that it's been leaked by his agent, I think has wound the club up quite a bit, hasn't it? Now, mm. we should make clear here. Graham Kavanagh is involved in the agency that Owen Moxon is linked to. I don't know if he's specifically his agent, but this is something we probably need to be clear on because I've seen a few people say, I think we've sort of mentioned it before, he may well just be a player liaison type. He might not be the actual agent who gets involved in that side of things. We're not 100% certain, but he's definitely involved with him. And I think Taylor Charters as well, I think, is one of the ones on the same Mm -hmm. agency. So if this is applied by the agent to try and force a move, it's not worked very well. If it's applied to maybe up his contract offer, I'm not sure it's going to help a huge amount in that either. I I just don't see how this is helpful, do you? No, not really. It's a frustrating one, isn't it? it it's kind mm. of totally unnecessary on the start of a season. Um, we saw what happened with Aaron Hayden a couple of years ago. That obviously wasn't done out in the public so much, but essentially forcing a move just before the start of a, literally the day before the start of a campaign was unbelievably frustrating for us at that point. Um the thing with Owen is he's a local lad and I think there's expectation oh he'll just sign a deal he must, he must love playing for the club but he is 25 yeah. you've got to remember that this is a big chance for him potentially if a club comes in and it might pain if he'd be able to say this but Blackpool probably are a bigger club than us realistically they've got a bigger yeah. history certainly in terms of you know the past and you know FA Cup finals and all that kind of thing and being in the Premier League they get bigger crowds than us he, realistically he could probably double his wage to go there but that doesn't mean we're going to accept the first offer that comes in, are we? No. I mean, for me, you know, I understand it. He's not going to stay at Carlisle till he's 35. Like, no. you know, it's not going to happen. And good players, if they move on and they do it in the right way, I wish them all the best. But for me, I think, and this isn't, me, well, this is me being biased as a fan, but he should sign the new contract. If So if we put in a million pound release clause yeah. in there, any club that is bidding a million pounds for him is serious about him and wants him to be a big part of the team. If clubs are going to low ball with low offers, they might sort of be a little bit unsure on him and think, oh, well, maybe he can work his way into the team or whatever. But if a club's bidding a million pounds plus, they know what they want. They know they want him and they know that they want to have him as a key player for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's a difficult one, and I hope he doesn't start getting stick from people and not signing contracts and things like that, because he's he's entitled to do that. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, we've got him for now, and look what he did last season, what he delivered for us. It's incredible. So no one should be giving him any stick about not signing contracts, stuff like that. He's completely entitled to, to do what is best for him in this situation. And let's not act like we haven't benefited heavily from the fact that we got him for free from our yeah. athletic and what he's delivered for us at the end of the day. So... It's a tough one. I really hope he stays. I really hope he signs a deal. If we were to receive an offer close to seven figures in this window, I think it'd be very hard for us to turn down, though. 
if he's not yeah, going to I sign mean, a contract. I just I just hope though that if it if that is what it comes to, that it, it isn't on deadline day where yeah. we don't have time to get a replacement in. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're home for, isn't it? There you go. I think we've covered that enough. Then let's let's hope uh, come Saturday he's in the team. I'm pretty sure he's going to be. I don't think any moves going to happen anytime soon if it is going to. So uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that one. Um, right, signings. So there's been three more new ones coming, hasn't there, mm. uh, Mike? Um, since uh, we last recorded, one of them not at all a surprise, really, is it? Let's start with him, Finn Back. He has joined the club on loan again from Nottingham Forest. Uh, the 20 year old wing back. Son of Neil, the World Cup winning rugby union player. Um, yeah, there's there's not really much to complain about here, is it? Really, it's a, it's a really good move, I think, for player club and you know for his parent club as well. Yeah, that definitely. And it, I, I've said all along, sometimes a player just fits, and there's such a kind of a mutual respect between Finn and the club last season. We've seen mm. before so many loanies they get injured and they just scurry back to the parent club and you don't see them. But he was still a part of it. He was still going to games. He didn't have to, you know, but he, he still wanted to be a part of it, still wanted to go to games. Um, and, yeah, just seems like a really good lad. And, you know, with Feeney aside, we've got the same settled back line that we had last season that got us a club record of clean sheets, which I think will be massive for us. I mean, I'll give you put Barkley there. It's the same one, isn't it, really? Oh, well, yeah, exactly. He missed a few games last season. Mm. So, so yeah, I, I I agree. And, yeah, with Buck, I, I, I think what you're saying about him coming to games, if that's a sign of how well he's been brought up by his dad, I think, as well. Because you can tell his dad's yeah. got a lot of respect for the club, too. And, you know, because he posts about us on Twitter and Instagram a lot as well. So, you know, it, it's a good move for him, a good move for the club. I just hope he can stay fit. That's the real hope. Because when you, once you've had a couple of hamstring injuries, you start to worry, especially as if you're a player with a you know a little bit of a burst of pace about you, it, it can come back to bite you sometimes, can't it? So yeah, but I think I think though last season Jack Ellis kind of proved when he came in to fill in for Bat when he was injured that he's capable of stepping up. So maybe at the start of the season, Bat won't have to be doing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. They'll be able yeah. to rotate and keep him fresh, and hopefully that'll keep the injuries away. I mean, definitely. If Bax obviously probably going to start this weekend, I'd definitely start Ellis for the game at Harrogate in the Cup. I, I, yeah, no definitely. doubt. Don't, don't overwork him at this stage, definitely. Mm. Uh, second one in, it's one you mentioned in the season preview, Mike, already. Um, mm-hmm. Sean Maguire, 29-year-old Luton-born attacker. This surprised me because I thought he was Irish-born, but actually... He was born in Luton, but actually moved back to Ireland when he was a couple of months old with his parents to kill Kenny, mm-hmm. where he's from. So he's very much Irish. You know, he might be English-born, but he's always going to represent Ireland, I think. Um, previous clubs include Waterford United, West Ham United, uh, loan spells at Sligo Rovers, Accrington Stanley, Dundalk, Cork City, Preston North End, and Coventry City. He moves to United on a one-year deal after leaving uh, Coventry in the summer following a short spell with them. Um you seem quite happy with the signing, Mike, from what you said in the season preview. You're quite excited about him. Yeah, I think one thing that we lacked before signing him was pace up front, mm. and it's something that he offers us. I think playing alongside an Edmondson or a Garner who'll flick the ball on will be how you'll get the best out of him. Um, and I think often, we've seen before, strikers sometimes when they drop down a league, they're just a different beast in that league, and he's not really played in this league before, and I'd be really interested to see... And I think as well, the one-year deal, I think, to be honest, he's probably going to want to only have one year in this league. He's going to want to score a load of goals and then go back to the Championship. And if he does that, I won't, I won't, I won't mind. You yeah, 
Yeah, because it would have kept us up, you'd hope. You'd yeah. Thinking. And that, that's the first aim this season for us, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, he's uh, he's previously won 11 caps and scored one goal for the Republic of Ireland. Um, scored, uh, yeah, so um, he, he's a pacey forward. Impressed during his spell at Preston. Got a bad hamstring injury there, though, again. So that, that does worry us slightly because they don't, just don't know how good he's going to be on this second spell. Preston fans seem to really like him. They thought he was a, looked a real, real play before he got that injury. So mm. if he can rediscover a bit of that, you never know. He could be a, he could be a real fine. But I, I just hope he's not like another Stephen Elliott who came in and looked such quality mm. in those four or five games he played and then got a really bad injury and, and you didn't see him again. So that's the hope. He can keep himself fit. But Simo does seem quite impressed with his fitness levels, I think, from what he said in one of the yeah. interviews the other day. So hopefully that means he can stay in. Like you said, he adds a bit of attack, a pace and a little bit something different to the attack, doesn't it, I think? I think that's the way yeah, you can definitely. describe it. Um, the third and final of those uh, three new signings, uh, 20-year-old Luke Plange. It's Plange, isn't it? I'm, I'm presuming I'm pronouncing that's that right. That's what I've been saying, but yeah. yeah. I'm hoping that's right anyway. Uh, Kingston, upon terms, born attacker. Um, previous club, he started out as a youth player at Arsenal. Then got a uh, YTS and a pro deal at Derby County. Played under Wayne Rooney, they actually really impressed. Um, earned a £1 million move to Crystal Palace, was loaned back to Derby from them. Had a loan at RWD Molenbeek in Belgium in the first half of last season and spent the second half of last season on loan at Lincoln City. He's only joined on a six-month loan deal with a view to extending it to the end of the season. I, 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 look, I don't want to disparage a player before he comes in because... You never know how they're going to turn out. Look, we've had plenty of examples before. I think you've said this, Mike, haven't you? Kevin Gray was mm. described as Tranmere's worst ever player. And, you know, look, what a legend he was for us when he mm. came in. He's not exactly got rave reviews from his spell at Lincoln City, has he? No. From what we've read, there's suggestions of possibly an attitude problem while he was there. You do wonder if he's been sent to us with a case of this is your last chance to prove yourself, mate. You know, we've paid a million pounds for you and you're still only getting League One loans. So, I, I don't, look, I, I really hope he turns out to be good, but at the moment, I think he, realistically, he's probably our fourth choice striker, isn't he, at the start of the season? I would go as far as saying fifth, mm. to be honest. Um, Behind who? Uh, well, so for me, I think you want to start either Edmondson and Garner, Ed, Edmondson or Garner as one of the strikers, yeah, and then sort of the other two for me, will be Maguire or Butterworth or Plange. See, and I, and I think with Butterworth being our player, we'd rather play him. Possibly. The suggestion with Butterworth is that he doesn't really fancy himself as a striker, though, is it? I think maybe he prefers more out wide or as a sort of withdrawn as an attacking midfielder almost. So, interesting to see how he fits in. But yeah, yeah. I, what is your thoughts on this deal then, though, Mike? Do you, th- do you think he's... I do wonder if it's... We've sort of dropped down the list of players we wanted, and maybe we've got quite a favourable deal from this one. I mean, I'm only speculating it. Could yeah, I think it was a case of we said, "Can we have J.K. Gordon?" and they said, "No," and then we said, "Well, can we have someone else?" and they said, "You can have this guy." Like, mm. um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the comments from Lincoln fans seem to be that he's lazy, which I don't like to see. I think you know, if you're not the best, if you're not the most prolific. At least put put a bit of effort in. So, sometimes players cannot be happy though in spells, and that can reflect on the pitch. And sometimes you just need to get the best. I mean, you'd kind of hope that maybe coming to this environment, he might find it a bit easier. And Sean Derry is, I think, he's involved in the academy again, isn't he? At uh, Crystal Palace, and he's a big mate with uh, Greg Abbott. Greg. So mm-hmm. I wonder if Greg's maybe said to him, "Look, you know, he's a good player. He just needs the right environment and the right treatment, almost basically." So, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, there's clearly something in him. You know, oh, otherwise yeah. Palace wouldn't have uh, paid a million quid I for mean, him. He got nominated for Championship Player of the Month when he was at Derby. Mm. And that was a spell when Derby were really struggling, mm. you know, towards the end of the way, really, when he was just about almost kept them up. And so there's clearly something there. And I think 20, as well, he, so. you know, same before about sort of you want an Edmondson or a Ghana playing. I think Plange is almost maybe a bit of a hybrid in that sort of he's quite big and strong, but he's also got the pace as well. He's only 5'11". I don't think he's actually that big. He's only 5'11". Surprisingly, I think he's I think it's just that photo of him with Simo. I think Simo is shrinking, maybe. <laughs> <So> shrinking <laughs> year on year, getting smaller. Yeah. Him and Greg having a race to the, to the yeah. bottom. Um, yeah, so Luke Plange comes in. He's the uh, second loan signing of the summer, so there's three left. Should be noted, Simo did say after the Dundee uh, United game, didn't he, that potentially hoping to have two loan signings sorted for the uh, Monday, one of which was a goalkeeper. There's a few names flying about about who that might be. We're not going to speculate who here. But the suggestion is that that deal's temporarily, at the very least, fallen through over some mm. issues at his parent club, possibly. So, um, yeah, it's it, a bit frustrating that one, isn't it? I think because I think they were hoping to get that sorted so that maybe even Gabe Breeze could go out on loan somewhere at that point. Yeah, um, a bit frustrating because um, yeah, ideally we'd, we'll get a second choice keeper and Breeze can go out on loan. I wouldn't feel totally comfortable going into the season with Breeze's second choice, given how little experience he's got. Yeah, there are rules about that, though, isn't there? In that if if then Holy got injured. We would be able to get an emergency loan in cover. Having seven day loans, isn't it? Basically, we have to renew every seven days. Basically, it's simply what Steve yeah. did last season. So that would well, it didn't do that any harm. No, exactly. Because I think it's basic. I think your first team keepers have to have played less than a certain number of first team games, and Breeze hasn't actually played a first team game for us technically mm. yet. So that's probably we'd, we'd be okay on that one. Um, yep. Yeah. Trialists, um, we'll just quickly cover this off. I think we sort of mentioned previously Stephen Walker, who was on the trial, uh, used to play for Middlesbrough, had left already. But ex-Newcastle keeper Dan Langley has left the club after the end of his three-week trial spell at Brunson Park. I think Simo felt he was more of a project and at the moment just wasn't quite ready enough to be that second choice behind Holy, possibly. Yeah, but so. you know, it's good that we didn't just sort of panic and sign him anyway. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I thought he looked all right in the game against Chorley, but... It's the only game where he really got tested in terms of having to make saves, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's one of those ones. It's a difficult. I, I just feel like our preseason games could have been a bit better this season, but we'll touch on that in a minute. Um, goalkeeping coach news: uh, having completed his notice period at former club Air United, Dave Timmins has taken over as goalkeeping coach at Brunton Park. It's his second spell as a Blues keeper coach. He did one in two thousand eight oh nine. Um, also held the role at Greedick Morton, Rochdale, Blackpool, Port Vale, Tramere Rovers, Shrewsbury Town, Preston North End and Wolves. He's been about, hasn't he? A fair few clubs there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, familiar face. He's taken over after Simon Smith completed his brief spell covering for us over the summer before he officially retires um, after Paul Gerrard's departure early in the season. And it's just a solid pair of hands that Simon knows, basically, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, although 08 09 had me think, oh, who, who do we have in Nets then? It was uh, Ben Williams, wasn't it? Yeah, but we also, did we have Tim Krull that season as well, briefly? Yeah, that. and uh, I think we had was someone on ben Manchester United. Was it B- B- ben, ben Amos? Ben Amos, yeah. and I think Ben Anik as well, possibly. Yeah. We had both of them, didn't we? So, yeah, we had a few loan keepers that season. That was back when you could still have the 90 uh, day loans. Yeah. Oh, how we miss those days, don't we? Eh? Yeah, the good old <laughs> days. Um, Yep, yeah, so Timmins takes over. Um, and just a quick one before we talk about the, se- the pre-season review and season preview for the Blues. Uh, a bit of a change to the rules by the EFL. 
this summer. We briefly touched on this in the season preview, didn't we? Yes. But essentially, this is basically in a bid to increase the amount of time that the ball is in play during games. The EFL has announced changes for this season to combat that issue of time-wasting. We're looking at you, Stevenage. Um, similar to what FIFA implemented in the World Cup in Qatar, more precise added on time will now be calculated at the end of the first and second half of games, and multi-ball will also be introduced. Um, part of me is quite pleased about this, because it means teams won't take the mickey with time-wasting, although I still think they will a lot of them. I still don't I don't think it's going to put people off. I think they'll be, some of them will be quite happy to drag the games out that long. It gives them more time to recover during games as well, you see, so it's not... Sometimes it's not just a case of trying to waste the clock down. It's also giving yourself recovery and things like that, isn't it? So I just got this horrible feeling of all these games where the matches don't finish till something like quarter past 20 past five, which when you're trying to plan to travel to games and stuff isn't particularly helpful, is it? Yeah, it's going to be a pain trying to plan what train home to book for some for some games, certainly. Um, but at the same time, it might sort of negate it a little bit and that clubs don't see the point of time wasting as much because yeah. the time's just going to get added on anyway. Uh, but I mean for us, we seem to come alive in injury time quite a bit yeah. so if there's going to be more injury time and it, it was something in Simo's first spell with the club and that I think the fitness work that they do in pre-season we just seem to have more energy and more focus uh, yeah. when it comes to injury time but it's going to be interesting how consistently and rigorously referees apply these rules. I so think one, you, go on, on. Sorry, I was going to say. I think you might find the first few games you start getting fifteen, twenty minutes added on to some of them because yeah. some teams. Like, I think it'll be interesting to watch what happens with the first Stevenage game. And you know, mm-hmm. look, I know we keep picking on them, but the simple fact is when we played them, the ball was in play forty-one minutes, which yeah. is ridiculous. So mm-hmm. I, I think the first few games, at least, you'll see some utterly ridiculous added on time for some of those games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because one of the things is is that players have to go off the pitch if they're injured. They mm. have to go off for treatment, which will be interesting because you're going to have physios coming on and saying, oh, no, I only need a, a second, and no, you need to go off the pitch. And it'll be very interesting how it, how consistently it's going to get applied, really. Yeah. Really well. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. The treatment of players, that's interesting how that's going to change, isn't it? So, uh, mm. Yeah. So basically, I think um, it's thirty seconds is the is the maximum they're going to be allowed for treatment now, isn't it? And any more than that, they have to go off the pitch. Yeah. So yeah, um, yes. Um, there's a few changes in terms of um, stuff to do with uh, a few things in terms of fouls and yellow cards and stuff. You can find it on the Callow website, but treat uh, the behaviour of players and officials is another thing that's come up, isn't it? So in terms of on the touchline and stuff like that, I think this has always been a rule, hasn't it? The case that you can only allow actually one person to do the coaching on the touchline. The other person yeah. has to stand back and they just the, the technical game, but policing that hasn't been the best in the past, has it? I think it's fair to say. No, and, and this thing about sort of players who want just the captain to speak to the officials and stuff, they seem to regurgitate this every season and it doesn't happen in the Premier League. So, like... How do they expect it to kind of trickle down? The simple solution for all this is, right, they said only, I think any more than two players around the ref now, they'll be booking time now, won't they? I think what you'll find is, what they should do is, that you should basically just hand out those bookings in the first game. The first time it happens, just book mm. them. And if they don't like it, tough shit, basically. Mm. So that's what they should do. Whether they will do that or not, I don't know. So, um, Like I say, I just can't, like with the sort of time 
added on and the injury stuff, I can't see this being a consistent thing. No, no, I think you, you think you're right with that one. But there you go. Right, that's the news covered, Mike. Um, let's do a, a quick pre-season review and season preview. So, um, yeah, campaign's almost upon us. Only a few days to go, as we recall now on Wednesday. Um, so, summer signings. So, there's uh, I think there's been nine in now. I think is it in total? Um, what's your initial thoughts? Happy? Yeah, I wanted think a bit so. better, maybe. Uh... I mean, I wouldn't say I've been blown away, but I mean, previous seasons, some of the signings that I've been most excited about were Zach Clough and mm. Billy Painter. Yeah. So, you know, it's not always how it pans out. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite content. I think, like I said before, I'm glad that we've got pretty much the same back line. Uh, yeah. That's important. I think our midfield last season was League One quality. Yeah. Um, we've pretty much still got that, you know. Obviously, it's the forward line. There's bit a bit a bit of chopping and changing, but I think Edmondson has League One quality about him. Uh, some of the other lads we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm quietly confident going into the new season. Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you, I suppose. I'm, what I'm pleased about is getting all the loanees back, basically. Obviously, yeah. bar Gordon, obviously, and I think I think the expectation was that Gordon was one we wouldn't get back. I think because Palace have got. Probably bigger plans. I think we did quite well to get him in the first place. I think when we initially got him on loan, um, I, I yeah, I, I was pleased we got all them back. I think there's been a couple of nice additions on top of that. My concern is attack and adding a bit of quality in there. And I think losing Patrick, I was a little bit disappointed about. To be honest, I was I was more disappointed about losing Patrick than I was Feeney because I felt with Feeney there's other players we could bring in to to replace him. And obviously we brought Barkley back in as well. I think I can do a great job on the right side of that defence. With Patrick, I just think what he offers you in terms of his dribbling ability and pace, that's going to be difficult to, to replace. I don't... I, we brought Maguire in, he's got a bit of pace. I don't think Maguire's the same kind of player. I think Maguire very much is a central player in that role. He can, he's can he got that pace down the middle. I'm not sure drifting out why it's going to be really his thing in the same sense. Mm. Butterworth, maybe. I don't think Butterworth's of the same quality as Patrick, personally. I think Patrick offers you a lot more, in, in my opinion. So that... That's one area where I'm a little bit disappointed, I think, maybe. But for me, no other League One club came in for Patrick. So No, no, but I, I think that's, I think Patrick's move, obviously that's something we haven't mentioned actually, because it's, it's one we would cover in the X-Files. We're not going to do the X-Files this week. We're going to leave that till uh, next week, um, I think. But yeah, in the X- he's obviously signed for Sutton now. I think his move to Sutton is more a case of family circumstances and being happy about playing in the position he wants to play and proving he can do it. I think he backs himself to go to Sutton, have a brilliant season for them playing on the wing and possibly get a move to a bigger club but playing as a winger, which a uh, fair play to the lad if that, if that is attitude. I'd, I, you know, I totally respect the fact that he's he's backing himself there you know, and, and doing what feels right for him. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit different with that one. Um, but yeah, I think generally, happy enough with the summer... <sighs> I don't want to say I'm disappointed. I think that the problem is, I think it's, it's been a big eye-opener for us, hasn't it, that mm. how difficult it is going to be to get a player of quality in at this level. I think it's going to take us a season to us. If we can establish ourselves this season, yeah. next summer you probably find right we can get a much better quality player in. Because we are ahead Definitely. of schedule at the end of the day, aren't we? That, that's one thing that's undeniable. Yeah. But I, th- I think as well, a lot of our pre-season expectations from the outside... Like I can, I can see why people are all saying that we're going to go down because from the outside looking in, 
We've lost our captain. We've lost our top yeah. scorer from last season. We've lost our hero from Wembley. You know, like from the outside looking in, that looks like a disaster. But we know the reality of it is that coming down to the season, Dennis was possibly our fourth choice striker. Mm. Feeney was injured for a lot of it. And Patrick was, you know, a lot of people were quite happy to see the back of him. So, yeah, I'm not too bothered by those things. I think it's a new season. We've got the same manager. Yeah. I think we're solid as well. I think that's the the thing that stands for me. Having that defence as well. The defence is the big thing for me. I think that's a massive, massive bonus. And the thing is as well, it's, it's easy to forget, you know, last season as well, people will say, oh, we only sort of scraped up through the playoffs. But... We know if it wasn't for injuries last season, we would have walked automatic promotion. Yeah, hundred percent. Simple as. So. We, would, we probably would have been in second place if we get yeah. going to the form we had. But yeah, injuries cost us, and yeah, that's all. That's the main thing. Um, pre-season results do they matter really? Looking back at them, I mean, I feel like I would have liked us to maybe face the Championship club possibly as a, as, a, as a different sort of test. I think last season in League Two, playing against Bolton Wanderers from League One was a really good test and really worked for us. Mm. The problem we're playing Dundee United is they're they're like two or three weeks ahead of us. Their yeah, yeah. season started already because they played the cup games, so it, 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 that made it a bit tougher. Two um, 0 defeat. I, I can't really talk about it because I didn't go to it because the price was so high. Something that Simmer did comment about after the game, didn't he? And mm. uh, I don't even know if the club have the club put the highlights up yet on YouTube. I haven't seen any yet. So no, I found some of the preseason highlights quite unwatchable. Uh... Yeah, it is, it's it's difficult because they you having to use very basic setups in yeah. terms of the gantries and things like that. It, it's tough, but um, but yeah. So I haven't seen the Dundee United highlights. I have no idea what the goals were like. So if they were good or not, but you know, just is what it is. I've heard Holy maybe could have done better with the second, or they might have been fouled. But yeah, I'm I'm not really too fussed. I mean, Charlie, a couple of years ago, we went there and we we, we were pretty rubbish and scraped a win. I think for, in the preseason game, whereas this time we've you know, a one-one draw. They look quite good, Charlie. Actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they did quite well in their division this season. I was quite impressed. Well, with them, well you so. mentioned before that Wolves game and when we were last in League One. Um, yeah. But the pre-season before that season, we beat Bolton. I think three-one yeah. or something. Um, and Bolton that. were in the Championship then. And I think after that game, people thought we were going to have a really good season. So, no, for for me, pre-season doesn't really matter. It's what you do on the opening day that counts. Yeah. I went to that Charlie game and. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd probably argue that the team that played Charlie was probably nearer to our second choice eleven. Only players who really impressed me were uh, McGeeck. Uh, impressed with him. I really like the look of him. I think he looks a real, real player. Jaden Harris. I genuinely was impressed with Jaden Harris. A few issues in terms of his discipline. He probably nearly got himself sent off by flying into a few tackles and arguing with the ref a bit too much, which, you you know, you want to see him up for games, but it's pre-season, Jaden, calm yourself, yeah. you don't want to get banned for the start of the campaign. So I I, I was really impressed with him. I think I think he could really make an impact this season. Um, and Ben Barkley was the one who really stood out. The rest of them, Taylor Chatters had a few little moments and a couple of subs did okay, but the rest, much of a muchness are not really doing enough to probably push for the start 11 places. I think we'll talk about start 11s obviously later, but... Yeah, I think it's pretty settled on that. Um, in terms of the opening run of games, Mike, if I... No, tell you what, we won't talk about opening run of games because we'll talk about that in the in the preview section for the Fleetwood game. What I've got now is um, some of our six-second reviews and a couple of uh, newbies have uh, sent us in their thoughts for the summer and how they think things have gone and how they think the season's going to go. Should we start off with the star of the show first, of course? 
Go on then. Young, young Craig has done it. I asked for about 60 seconds and 90 second review. <laughs> Two and a half minutes of Craig coming up here. But, it, you know, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it for a listener. So there you go. So here's Craig's uh, preview, review, whatever you want to call it from this summer and what he thinks of the season ahead. Hi, Dan, Lee and Mike. It's me, Craig, and I'm back again. And this is my prediction for the League One 2023 to 2024 season. I think that this year it looks a very strong side with some signings definitely helping. Um, it's nice to see the likes of Ben Barclay and Alfie McCalmont back. It's also nice to see Finn back coming back. Hopefully he won't get injured this time because that would make a very big difference and it would help quite a bit. Um, on the looks of the release list, I think we did OK. It won't affect us too much going into the League One season um really it's kind of just about staying up this season and achieving as much as we can i'm not predicting us to be the next luton town go from league two to premier league in however many seasons it was but it looks like a good season i'm very confident we can stay up we just need to get a good runner form going hopefully we don't play like we did on Saturday against Dundee because that was just not good enough. All you can really say is I hope that we're saving it for the start of the league one season. Um, some of the new signings, baller or bust. Um, I mean, in pre-season, all of the all the players that all the players that we had last season looked quite good in pre-season. Although Ben Barkley was playing out of position um, and the the new Sam Lavelle he looks a very strong person in defence and he's already looks like he's been part of the team for a while now and yeah overall my prediction for the season is that we will survive and achieve the place of around 17th or 18th. I don't think we'll go down because I do think we are better than some of the other teams in League One at the moment. Um, just hopefully that we play better than we did against Dundee and all looks good for the season. Thanks again. Up the Blues. Sorry, I was muted there for a second. I just realised. <laughs> I tried to keep quiet while Craig was talking there. Yeah, thank you very much, Craig. A very thorough review looking ahead. So he's got us about 17th, 18th. So yeah, solid. I think most fans would bite their hands off for that one though right now, I think. Yeah, I think if so. Yep. Yeah. Right, Nick Brown, who uh, gave six-second reviews a couple of times last season, he sent one in, um, and here is his. I'm finding it almost impossible to predict what will happen with us this coming season, as we've been away from this level for so long. I've realised I don't really know anything about it anymore, to be honest. But I do have a funny feeling that we're going to do better than a lot of people are predicting us to do. I don't see why we can't, you know, trouble at least mid-table. The league doesn't look particularly terrifying to me. And there's no way Simo, despite publicly saying that staying up is what he wants, he won't be happy with staying up by the skin of our teeth. He'll be wanting us to push on as high as we can up that league. So I'm going to go with comfortably mid-table, upsetting a lot of the bigger teams, turning teams over at Brunton Park, and a couple of good results on the road as well. My prediction is 12th, comfortably. 
I like that, Nick. I like a 12th place predictions, considering that's yeah, what I did. So I'm very happy with that. I, I think he's right. I think there's a, there is an element we might surprise a few people. And it's one of these things that you'll hear in a minute when I talked with um, with uh, Ben from the Fleetwood uh, vlog for the uh, behind the main line section. He um, he mentioned and he said, didn't say this in his disparaging sort of patronizing way. He's saying like, Saturday for us is going to be like a cup final. Not in the sense of like we're playing a big team, but it's like our first game back at that level. Big crowd. You know, it's been away from for so long from League One. Mm. You know, the excitement, anticipation, and he he think he's, he worries him, and he thinks, well, you'll probably beat us because you'll have that crowd behind you. And I think that's going to happen on a few occasions this season. There's going to be that excitement when we get, you know, the likes of Derby coming to Brunton Park and you know Bolton, and hopefully with big crowds behind us, we can we can cause a few upsets in those games, definitely. And I think, like you said as well, I think on the road, I think we're going to have some really big away followers mm. at the likes of Bolton and Wigan, Wigan and stuff, yeah. and yeah, like. Hopefully, you know. I mean, it's it's a cliche, and you sort of think it a lot this season. But last season, I really felt as a fan we were the twelfth man in a lot yeah. of games. Like you really felt like you were part of the team. And to, and to be honest, there were some games that Bradford game. I felt physically exhausted after. I felt like mm. I'd been playing for the yeah. for the game. You know, like I mean, I'd, I've never known an atmosphere like that at Brunton Park. To be honest, it was just incredible and. Yeah, as as fans, we've all got to do our bit to sort of help the club this season. But touching on it again, some of the teams and away games and stuff. But I think home games, some of them teams, your Boltons, your Reddings, mm. they're not going to like a trip to Brunton Park. They're not used yeah. to that. We don't have the swanky leather seats and the changing rooms and all all of these mod cons that they're probably more used to. You know, they're going to come here and we're going to really show them, right, you're in our backyard now and we're yeah. going to show you how to play football. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, another one of our regular six-second reviewers now uh, and occasional host as well of the show, uh, one of the co-hosts on the show, Greg Bullman, he sent me in his views for the current season. Overall, I think it's been a solid pre-season uh, in terms of signings. Good to get the players in that we had last season. You know what you're going to get from them. And Maguire stands out as probably the marquee signing out of the new signings. We're currently on nine signings. Simo said nine or ten. So we'll get the goalie and then we've got what he wanted. Um, I think it'll be enough to keep us in the league. I'm going 19th. I do, you know, I, I think it's going to be quite a strong league. There's some really big teams with big budgets in there. And I'm I'm just coming in there with a bit of realistic kind of vibes at the moment. I'd love us to finish higher. Um, but stay up is the priority and then build for future seasons and make us a solid League One team. You know, um, I think if Simo wasn't in charge, we wouldn't uh, be staying up. But then... If Simo wasn't in charge, we wouldn't have been in this situation. So we've got to grasp it and see what happens. I do think we're going to beat a team that gets promoted. We are going to have a big result this season. Um, and I would, honestly, I'd snap your hands off now to just say we're going to stop in the league. Up there, Blues. There you go. Pretty straightforward from Greg. You know, you have it. I saw him on Saturday for enough. I was out in Keswick rather than going to the Dundee United game because... Fancied a few going out for a few drinks rather than paying eighteen pounds to watch us have a glorified kickabout. And <laughs> yeah, he 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 didn't sound as positive then when I was chatting with him, but he sounded a little bit more up for it uh, in that chat there. So that that's good to hear. Right, two more to go. Um, first up, I'll do uh, Chris Robinson, who's a friend of a friend who has been basically asked to send this in. So here's Chris's thoughts for the current season. 
Hello, this is Chris and this is my prediction for 23-24 season for Carlisle. Um, so first thing to think about is recruitment. I think it's been all right. Disappointed Feeney went, but going to Shrewsbury shows what his character's like. I think the lad from Palace we got yesterday looks very good, very promising. That lad from Forest Green Rovers, whose name I can't pronounce, um, I think uh, they look like the standout signings on paper. Especially, especially good when you look at the financial situation, i.e. we've got, had the fourth lowest budget in League Two, so we're going to have probably the lowest in League One or, or one of the lowest uh, pre-season games with Patsy, but uh, mean mean now, anyways. Uh, Moxon, I think that's going to be a massive factor on how well we do if we keep him, if we tie him down, if we put our hands in our pockets and give him a good wedge. Um, I think he's worth about 15 to 20 points just having him in the team and the deliveries um, and, and just the, the way he can thread a ball from midfield. Um, so that's going to be a massive factor if we keep him. I reckon we're going to uh, you know, slip into the playoffs in sixth place. Um, if we don't keep him, I reckon we're looking at mid-table. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm being blindly optimistic uh, and massively biased, but you know, sometimes it's nice to be mildly, mildly optimistic and massively biased. Um, so I playoffs if we keep Moxon, and we'll obviously we'll win them playoffs. Uh, and if we don't, we'll have to settle for mid-table mediocrity. But that's not a bad place to be considering where we were two years ago. Chris, we love a blind optimist on this show. We really, really do. We all are. But we don't like people who talk too close to the microphone. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, he's not the only one, to be fair. I need to I need to start pulling people up on this. You don't have to hold it right up to your mouth. It's fine. You won't get as much of the old, you know, the the, the popping. But um, yeah, thank you, Craig. Your first con- sorry, um, Chris, your first contribution to the show. I hope we'll get a few more from you this season as well. Um, and yeah, hopefully... We'll be talking about positive results, and you can turn out to everyone else. Said, "Look, you have little faith. I was the one who was right, but I think he's right. Owen Moxon's going to be very key if we can keep hold of him, and yeah, I think that can make a big difference, can't it?" Yeah, definitely. Well, it had me kind of thinking, and like the last time a Paul Simpson team got up to this league, you know, and the sort of the oh six oh seven season, and we're all hoping and praying that we kept hold of Michael Bridges, and we lost him, but we finished eighth that season. You know, despite losing him, the rest of the team was a Paul Simpson team, to be honest. So, yeah. well, well driven side, wasn't it? I think that's that's the key thing, wasn't it as well? So it really yeah, worked that definitely. Time there. Right, one last one, and this is a, a very much a mutual friend of us both, Johnny Atwood. He sent us in his thoughts for the campaign. I was with Johnny at the uh, Charlie game, so interesting to hear what he has to say. Firstly, I suppose it's just brilliant to be back in League One, isn't it? There's a real feel good factor around the place. Um, Got Simpson in, obviously. I hope he's going to be there for a long time. He's just the best possible man for this club. I think um, I think going into the season, the first 10 games are going to be massive, aren't they? Um, you know, home games, Fleetwood, Wigan, Exeter, Shrewsbury. They're all games that we can be looking to be taking points out of. Um, you know, Stevenage, Port Vale, Lincoln on the road. Again, games we can get points out of. And I think those 10 games are going to be massive. It's a pretty good start. I think we can all agree there. So, yeah, we just need to get a bit of momentum going and get points on the board. Um, I think one thing I'd say about the club in pre-season, they've kept us informed about signings. Obviously, going up via the playoffs, we didn't know which league we were going to be in, so it sets us back a bit planning, I think. Um, And I sort of felt like we missed the boat a little bit with a few lads early on. I think the Maguire signing is a good signing. I'm still wondering if we'll be a bit light up top when it comes to goals, but we'll just have to see how these new lads gel and how it all works out. Um, 
where are we going to finish? I don't want to put a sort of number on where we're going to finish, but I'd be happy with a mid-table finish, to be honest. I'd just be happy to stay in the division. I think we just need to make sure that we stay in the division and then we build on this now. The worst-case scenario, obviously, would be going down straight away, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think Simpson will let that happen. Obviously, we all know he's a great manager, um, and I think he'll motivate the lads and he'll get the best out of them, so I think we'll be fine. But as I say, yeah, if we can finish off mid-table, even if it's a little bit lower than mid-table, I just don't want a relegation battle, but I don't think that'll happen. Pretty fair assessment from Johnny. Very sensible for him for once, I think, it's fair to say. Um <laughs> Yeah, can't really argue with much of that, can you, Mike? No, it was a good point about the first 10 games, though. Yes. Like, they are very much winnable. And if, I've said all along, form is often a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And I think if we, if them 10 games, you know, it sounds ridiculous and it wouldn't happen, but if we were hypothetically unbeaten from them 10 games, teams would come to Brunton Park terrified and they'd be parking the bus yeah. and that would lead to more draws. Do you know yeah, what I mean? And, we, and hopefully that momentum means you start regularly getting, you know, 8,000 plus gates coming in and that mm. again 8,000 plus in Brunton Park is not a nice thing for opposition teams is it no with this stick they get but there you go right that's the first half of the show done then Mike uh, let's take a short break and then we'll be back to preview the Fleetwood game hi I'm Thomas Holy, and you are listening to Brunton Bjorga into the second half of the show and yes we are going to look ahead to the opening game of the 2023-2024 Skybet League One season against Fleetwood Town at Brunton Park. It's taking place on Saturday the 5th of August. Um, before we talk about that, though, should we get the answer to Dan's question? Or should we have a little think of ourselves? I reckon the best winning percentage is going to be of us. I reckon. I, I know it was pretty high with Fleetwood, though. Um, I think it was like okay. 40-odd percent with Fleetwood. Right, well, but go- with us, he had that mad run just before mm. he left, didn't he? Uh I I'm think gonna, it'll be close either way. On. I'll say Fleetwood if you say us. I'll say Carlisle, and I reckon forty-one point two percent. I don't know how I've got the point two there, but I'm just going to forty-one percent. I'll go with actually. Yeah, what percentage are you going to go with? I'll say forty-two percent. Fleetwood. Sod. <laughs> right. Here's the answer to Dan's question. And the answer is at Carlisle. Uh, at Fleetwood, John Sheridan won six of thirteen for a forty-six point one five percent. Win ratio, and in his 32 games at Carlisle, he won 15 of those for a 46.88 win ratio. So only a difference of 0.73. But yeah, Carlisle, he did better at. It's a lot higher than I thought it would be in terms of the win percentage. That's, that's quite something, isn't it? But like you yeah, said, he had that I, run I knew at it'd the be end. Close. Yeah. yeah. He had that run at the end, but there, fair play, you know. I think he's a good manager, Sheridan. He's just an idiot, isn't he? That's the problem. But, <laughs> but there you go. Right. Um, okay. First up uh, is our usual section, and um, hopefully, we're going to have one of these for every club this season because I'm in a WhatsApp group that your mate uh, Alex, who's a Reading fan, uh, set up. Mike, isn't he? With yeah. various people from different uh, League One clubs in, we talk about in terms of, you know, any news about our clubs and stuff and discussions. And it's also mm. a great way to get in contact with people in terms of arranging these chats. So behind enemy lines, it's back. Uh, and first up, we've got Ben from Cod's Vlogs. Um, he's like an online vlogger, I think. He's quite well known in League One, I think, Ben. I think he, he is a Fleetwood fan here. Um, yeah, and I'm going to re- reciprocate at the weekend, actually. I think we're gonna I'm going to have a little chat with him uh, before the game about uh, United and all kinds of things like that. Um, what did we discuss? 
Well, I mean, mainly we discussed about their incredible rise over the last couple of decades from the very low reaches of non-league football up to League One level. Um, their owner being jailed for fraud. I think that's an unavoidable question at the moment, unfortunately, for them. And, and basically, what his uh, expectations are for this season in terms of that, you know, and how that's going to affect them. So here's the chat I had with Ben earlier this week. So here we are at a new season and it's a new set of clubs for us because we are in the behind enemy lines section, but it's League One clubs we're talking to now, not League Two. So for Carl fans, it, 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 it's, a, it's a brave new world in that sense that we don't really know much about League One because we've been out of it for the best part of a decade. So first up, we have Ben from Cod Vlogs, or Cod's Vlog, sorry, um, who's going to talk to us about all things Fleetwood Town. Ben, um, this is a particularly important one, I think, for Carl fans because interesting fact for you here, Carl United have played a, a league fixture against 90 of the 92 EFL clubs. The only two they've not played a fixture against, Fleetwood Town and Manchester United. We've played them both in cups, but we've never played you in a league fixture. Yeah, and I, I, I was just saying this, and it's, it's a brilliant start. I wasn't sure how many league clubs you hadn't played against, but mm. I knew we were one of you. And to be fair, we must have played each other four or five times in the Papa John's yeah. or the leading up <laughs> trophy or or the JPT as I call it yeah. there's been at least four meetings including one last season actually um where I think the UPIP was on penalties and um and yeah I think we've even had you in the league cup fixture where you came to Highbury and won by was it a goal to nil you yeah it was, an, it was extra time goal I think wasn't it Tom Miller scored for us in that game because I, I went to that one yeah the visit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well and uh, I've always kind of hoped for you to come up and you had a couple of spells maybe four or five years ago where you got into the playoffs and you just couldn't quite, you know, edge over. Was it Exeter in the playoffs and Exeter yeah. uh, played Blackpool and uh, Blackpool ended up going up and at uh, this time obviously uh, when you got to the final against Stockport I was quite, you know, wasn't too fussed who went up because I've been to both grounds but mm. uh, probably would have preferred you guys if I'm honest with you um, so no I'm I'm really looking forward to it it's going to be a great atmosphere I know you being back but I think nearly 6,000 supporters on, on the day which I'm, I'm mm. sure it, it, it will rise between now and Saturday but um, I think you're in for one hell of a ride yeah, I think we're all very much looking forward to after spending uh, the best part of a decade in League Two. Right, let's talk about Fleetwood Town then. And in fact, let's go back 26 years. At that point, Fleetwood Town were actually Fleetwood Freeport, um, renamed five yep. years later to Fleetwood Town. And you were playing in Northwest Counties League Division Two. In the last decade, you've played league fixtures against Sunderland, Ipswich Town, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby County, and of course, Blackpool. And there's probably a few I've missed off there in terms of big clubs. The rise of your club in that time has been quite remarkable, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's getting to the point now where we play Derby County in a month, well, less than a month's time. We're playing Bolton in, you know, mm. two weeks a day uh, as we're recording this. And because we've already won at Derby, we, we drew to Derby at home, we've already competed for Bolton for, for an automatic promotion slot. And it's kind of getting to the point now where maybe we don't kind of see the rise and it takes someone like yourself to, to mention it to us now and again, to bring us back down to earth and kind of going, hang on, we are Fleetwood. We are, we have only been going a short amount of time 
and we're fighting with the big boys. Look, money does talk, and Fleetwood Town have, have invested huge amounts of money into the football club, but that money still needs to be invested wisely, and I think it has been. You look at the, the training ground that's been done up, it's mm. an £8 million facility, probably 10 to £15 million now with recent um, kind of upgrades to, to it. So, um, yeah, it's a fantastic... Uh, uh, rise and hope we keep rising again. I mean, it's a real challenge for you guys, isn't it, to, to, to keep yourselves up there, not just in terms of money, because in terms of competition around you, you've got obviously Blackpool that just down the road. You've got Preston not too far away as well. Even if you want to go a little bit further, it's probably, it doesn't really count the other side of the M6, you know, your Burnleys and your Blackburns, but even, you know, AFC Fylde have been sort of on the rise around about the same time. And I, I think of the, of the two clubs, I think most fans tend to prefer... Fleetwood over AFC Feld for various reasons, I think. I mean, you know, the whole, what was it, five-year plan they had to get in the Football League, which they get mocked for a bit. But, but yeah, there is a challenge for you guys to, to, to keep yourselves competitive, isn't there? Absolutely. And also, you've got to remember, Fleetwood Town is a town of 25,000 supporters. Mm. Next door, you have got Blackpool, but the next to it is the sea. Yeah. And there's not really an area. You've got Cleveland, you've got Thornton. But again, like you say, you're battling out with Blackpool and Fleetwood are the new club on the up. And I think since Blackpool have come back, Blackpool have regained a certain number of those supporters. Mm. Not all of them have kind of gone back to support Blackpool as, as their attendance is still good. But it, it, you can kind of see it wasn't what it was. And now Fleetwood... You know, I'm getting 3,000 supporters at home, which is which is fantastic. And um, the aim is to keep growing the football club, keep going into schools. The community is going to be vital. And, you know, you know, there's so many clubs like Fleetwood that are small, rely on, rely on those younger group, group of supporters. And you can kind of see our away attendances, for one, are definitely growing. I was going, you know, I've been going to away games for last eight or nine years and they used to literally struggle to fill a coach. Now every game we're getting two, three, four, five coaches. We had 20 go to Burnley the other, uh, the other month for an Emirates FA Cup fifth round tie, um, which is which is just absolutely unheard of mm. for, for someone like Fleetwood. Yeah, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? I can't avoid asking about this. We've got to ask you about the ownership question. So that rise through the leagues has been synonymous with your owner, Andy Pilly, who's basically bankrolled that yeah. success to a, to a large extent. Obviously, you got the money from Jamie Vardy, which really helped as well. And as you said, he's built some incredible facilities for your clubs. It's not just about putting money into the players and that kind of thing, isn't it? He's he put a base there to, to work with. But as many people will know, he was recently found guilty of fraud and he's been sentenced to 13 years in prison. The club seemed pretty calm about all this, from what I've read. Yeah. But as a fan, you must have some concerns about what impact this is going to have over the next few years on the club. Uh, I've been very quiet on this and mm. because I've been quiet because, yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the club has been very calm about it. I think the club expected it. The club have been expecting it for a long, long time. And this court case was made years ago and it was all rumbling on last season and the club have made plans. So I think in that regard, you don't need to panic as much because if it was all of a sudden oh, he's done something three months ago, there's a court case in two months, and we've got a month to put something in place, all of a sudden you start panicking. Yeah. But we've had a lot of time to get things in place. So I'm not surprised the football club are steady about it. I think they've got ideas. As long as the core business, BES, are fit to run, which I think they will do if they're the cheapest in the area, which um, I know they're known for, people will still use them in this money crisis area. So um, I think Fleetwood Town will be okay. Will it be still Fleetwood Town as we know? I'm unsure. 
Um, only time will tell. Um, but Andy Pillar did a great job for Fleetwood Town over the years. Look, I'm not condoning what he did because what he did, he's a money man's problem. He's got lots of money and he wanted to get richer. Um, and unfortunately, he's let himself down there. And, you know, as a fan, I am disappointed because as a guy, I, I, I really liked him and trusted in him. So um, he's, he's done the crime and now needs to serve the time. Um, but my main focus is Fleetwood Town. And as long as that runs OK, that's all that matters. And I think Fleetwood Town will be all right. Um, again, the budget for this year was in months ago, so I think I still think we're, we're we're still living off what we did last year. Same budget next year might be slightly different. Where Andy Pilly isn't in the picture. Yeah, that's the challenge, but isn't it? I mean, that's the thing that does stand out actually from the fleet for ones I've seen online and stuff is that quite often when clubs have a lot of money thrown at them, um, the fans can get a little bit in the politest way possible, Billy Big Bollocks and a bit, you know, they, they start getting a bit of, you know, head of themselves and get big headed. I don't get that impression with Fleetwood fans. I get the impression that they're, you know, happy at how well their club's done, but they're also quite realistic about what to expect in the future. Absolutely. Now, Fleetwood Town's accounts obviously came out and they always come out and you, you're always going to get yeah. stick on Fleetwood Town have lost 27 million. You all of a sudden think that 27 million is over a long-term period. Mm. Eight million of that goes into a training ground. This time we've we've just put another million into the training ground. So you're looking at nearly ten million into the ground, uh, into the training ground. You've got two or three million into ground improvements. You've got academy funding. All of a sudden, then you've only got about ten millions worth of losses, which are then is staff. You know, you have got signs where Fleetwood Town have played big money for yeah. for players on wages. You know, you look big money. I think Carlisle in the same boat with us, four to five grand a week, which is a lot of money for. For clubs in League One that haven't got big amount of money, unlike some, um, so yeah, I think sometimes people need to understand where that money's going. I read obviously Sheffield Wednesday, Wednesday's owner's lost one hundred and thirty-two million pounds since he's been owner of that football club. It's astonishing, like you say, and they're all saying, "Well, what have we got to show for that?" Fleetwood Town have got to show an amazing, you know. Category B Academy, which has just been promoted this year, a new indoor facility training ground. You've got a gym, you've got a bar, you've got, you know, I think I think there's four elite pitches, you've got five aside pitches, um, you've got you know things going on in the community, you've got a new main stand, um, you've kind of got, you know, a proper staffing structure, you've got two and a half, three thousand fans in the door every week, you're in the third tier English football. There's a lot to show for Fleetwood and mm. up my aims every season and people go, Oh, we're gonna enter the players this year. I went and the, the, I just say one thing back to them. 50 points. Yeah. 50 points. Yeah. Get to, he's, he's like the old cliche with the Premier League. Get to 40 points. Get to 50 points, and then I'll have a look. Yeah. Then I'll tell you. And then it's always, I always say something called 63 points, because that's the points tally we got in our first season in League One. And if we can better that, it shows you we've improved over a long-term period. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm um, very similar in that. I'm pretty sure that's what Paul Simpson's going to be saying to us this season. He's going to be saying... We, we need to basically get to the point where we're safe <laughs> and that'll do it basically. I, you're making me very jealous of all these talks, these pitches and stuff, because we struggle to find a training facility in the winter at times. But that is something as a club we are looking to improve in the next few years. Um, one thing I was going to ask you as well about in terms of that stuff, you've got a development squad alongside your first team squad, which yep. a lot of clubs do tend to do these days. It, it's something I think that we as a club would like to do in the future, but just can't really afford it at the moment. How useful has that actually been for you as a club in terms of developing players? I mean, you've you've actually literally signed a, a lad that we let go in the summer, Sam Fishburne, who 
has talent, <laughs> but there's a question over his attitude. I think that was the one question that there was. So uh, how, how has that worked for you guys? Oh, absolutely. And uh, Fleetwood Town are wanting to promote youth. And I don't know if you've seen Fleetwood Town over the last three or four years. People are all of a sudden then saying, Fleetwood are spending money. Well, we brought in the likes of Paddy Lane um, from non-league. He went, came into our development squad two months later, came off the bench due to injuries at Rotherham, and then was a first-team player. Uh, 18 months later, he gets sold for a quarter of a million to Portsmouth. Shaden Morris, if I tell me, a young lad, he goes for a quarter of a million to Aberdeen. You know, you, Josh Feeney was at the football club since, you know, a young age. The age of 16, he goes to Aston Villa for a million pounds. Uh, James Hill, the same, over a million pounds. Billy Crelling, 300,000 pounds. Jamie Tetty, 500,000 pounds. You know, these... Lump fees are helping Fleetwood Town be, you know, sustainable. I think apparently we've just sold a 13, 14-year-old lad to Man City or Liverpool, one of the two, for a quarter of a million pounds. And this is the thing about having our academy and, you know, up towards the development squad mm. because they're there, but they're going to get minutes in our squad because, again, you think you can't afford it. We can't afford 13 players, but we can afford yeah. these young lads who are going to come and improve. And then we will literally give them the opportunity to play in the first team and then we'll say, look, Man City want you or Sheffield Wednesday want you. You're going to be in their under-18s, under-23s. Here, you're coming to our under-23s. If you're good enough, you'll play in the first team. If you're good enough in the first team, you'll get your move to Sheffield Wednesday and play in their first team. So come to us. We'll sell you on. We'll get good money. And we've got very good you know, sell-on percentages in these players as well. Yeah. So um, it is vital. Yeah, we've got two or three as well like that. I mean, we're still waiting on Dean Henderson to get sold by Man United. I think we've been clinging on to that for a while. We've got money for James Trafford, who's gone from Burnley to, sorry, City to Burnley. So that's been a good one for us. Um, right, well, let's, let's talk about um, present day uh, Fleetwood and, and your current, uh, how things are going. Your first few seasons of the league one, you started really well, obviously, and you had those couple of flirts with the playoffs, didn't you, I think? And um, last few seasons, things have been just a little bit tighter. Uh, you've been sort of not not really in trouble, to be fair. I don't think any points, but is that a case? Do you think of League One becoming a much more competitive league? Because you look at some of the big clubs that are coming down, and when, when we were in League One, there were some big clubs down. But it seems to be every season there's three or four now that it, it's a real challenge to compete against. Yeah, and it, it it is tough. So you've got to be, you know, kind of cautious about what you're spending and obviously the COVID pandemic didn't help clubs like ourselves so we had to rein our money in and just stay up in League One but we've done that now and uh, maybe business will go back to try and be more sustainable which means not spending as much money and um, which Fleetwood Town have done to get to the flirts of the playoffs so um, I think Fleetwood Town will be fine this year if I'm honest with you a lot of people have got us in their bottom four because of the Andy Pilly situation when I don't think that's going to even be a factor this year, if I'm honest with you. So it's going to be interesting, but um, like I say, 50 points and um, that'll do me for this year anyway. Yeah, I think we did our season preview early in the week and I think one of our hosts had you down struggling, but I think most of us were like, you've probably got enough quality this season to keep away from trouble. I think that was the feeling. Um, Scott Brown, your manager. Thoughts on him, mate. He seems to have done a pretty good job in his first year in charge, his first management job. He came into a side that conceded 80-plus goals. And last year, we were were very good defensively. Uh, We went into games sometimes, I think, not to lose rather than to win. Uh, kind of be tight, be hard to break down and try and nick a goal. Sometimes the way we play, we're a bit dull to watch, I'll be honest with you, but it grinds out results and we are more successful by doing that and I can see why. 
Um, we look solid. We don't really like conceding that many goals. Uh, but sometimes we don't look like many scoring many goals. Although last year we did score five at Accrington. And, you know, we can put on a show now and again. And we got to the fifth round of the Emirates FA Cup. So in a small period of time with someone like Fleet with not a great budget, he's done remarkably well, yes. Yeah. Um, so in terms of your squad for this season, um, who are the danger men to watch out for? I mean, the two obvious ones to me appear to be Strikers, Stockley and Marriott. I mean, Marriott, we had on loan actually when he was 18. Um, he struggled to make an impact in, I think, a, like a three-month loan spell um, and ended up going back at Tipswich. But he's yeah, he's been a very good striker since. And I think you've already had some bids for him, haven't you, I think, even though you only signed for you in January? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we spent 500k, 250 grand each for both of them. And we had a £400,000 bid, apparently. <laughs> so... Um, I don't think that will get accepted because why would he? He'll go and score 15 goals for us this year, in my opinion. Um, and hopefully he can do that. So them two, I think Josh Hill at the back, he's a Rolls-Royce. He, he was very good for Preston as, uh, and he, he's fitting at centre-half really nicely. Brendan Wiridu has been an absolute kind of absolute gem since we picked him up from Colchester. He's He's gone from midfield of a right of a midfield three to to you know the right of a back three at times so um he, he's one to look out for as well Sean Rooney on the right hand side um as well he's very good going forward um, he's a right wing back that's better in the other teams half than and ours in my opinion he's much more kind of useful there because he's better going forwards than he is defensively and uh he causes so many problems he scores goals he gets crossed into the box and that's what you want to, that's what you want when you've got two prolific strikers in Jack Marriott and Jaden Stockley yeah, that's a fair play. You've named most ones I would. I thought Danny Mayer as well as a summer signing was a real coup for you yeah. guys as well. Considering he was at Plymouth last season. Yeah, absolutely. And we needed goals from midfield. That's an area that I thought the club needed to address uh, because I thought our midfield three last year were a bit vanilla. They were good, but too vanilla and. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't work together. You need something else. And if you can get goals from midfield, um, it's absolutely vital for you. And I, I think that's what he'll add. Plymouth fans adore him. He wanted to come back up north. And again, club saying Fleetwood Sound are spending money again. Well, it's not. We've given him a two-year deal. It's, mm. He's kind of, he can plan his future now. He's, He's not getting any younger. Uh, we all know that. Um, but he wanted to be up north. He wanted a two-year deal. Fleetwood Sound gave him that. Other clubs would only give him one. He'll come to Fleetwood um, on similar money, but he'll have an extra deal. And uh, if he's good for Fleetwood, then yeah, then that's a bonus. Yeah. I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, first up, I'll ask you about some of the links between the two teams in terms of players. Now, we've already sort of touched on uh, Jack Marriott there. You're obviously expecting him to score a few goals this season. Sam Fishburne's gone into your um, under-23s, under-21 squad. with the development team. Um I'm guessing he's one you're just basically looking at and thinking, well, he's shown potential with us. Let's see if we can maybe get him to perform what, to what was expected of him before he, he dropped off. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you mentioned that name, but there's so many fleet with a sign this summer. And if he performs, he'll have to go into the first team. There's, there's so many that, that that have been in around the fleet with first team that haven't really gone and made it. Obviously, as fans and as the media, they'll only tell you about the good ones. They won't tell you about the ones that weren't too good or didn't quite work out. Um, but hopefully that that that, that can um, be a promising move for, for all involved. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I look through our squad to see like, who who from our team is um, is basically in, in your... I'm sorry, who in our squad has played for you guys? And I looked at our attack and three of the four of <laughs> what played for you is Danny Butterworth, Ryan Edmonton and Joe Garner. Um 
varying levels of success for you guys. I think it's fair to say for those three. And they were all very recent as well. Mm. Um, you know, Dan Butterworth, um, for me, he's a good player but didn't suit the Fleetwood system in yeah. my eyes. And he's a player that likes it on the ground, likes to play smooth football. Proper under-23s footballer yeah. um, at a good club. And he came in at a time where Fleetwood needed to battle to get the ball up, hold it up, be nasty, be horrible to play, you know, 40% possession and win 1-0. And unfortunately, it just, just didn't suit us. Um, Ryan Edmondson was a good strike. He worked and worked and worked and never, never, ever gave in. And yeah. that's one thing I can really say on Ryan. And um, he just did not get a chance. And that was a shame because he looked really good when he came in from Leeds, obviously. I know Butterworth and um, Edmondson have both spent some time at Port Vale as well, haven't yeah. they? So and there's another bit of a link. And uh, Joe Garner... Again, I said at the start of 12 months ago, if you play him for 60 to 65 minutes a match, he will score 10 to 15 goals at this level. Unfortunately, he didn't play. Um, I think sometimes you look at Joe Garner's stats and he's only scored you know, a couple of goals and you kind of think, well, that's not great. But he offers you so much more than goals, Joe Garner. And, uh, he, he holds up the ball. He knows when to win a foul. He, he, you know, especially when Carlisle were needing to get results to get into the playoffs and then get win those playoffs. You can kind of see Joe Garner is the perfect type of player to have in that to have in that situation. Oh, he's just a, in the nicest way possible, a nasty piece of work is Joe, and he, he's still hugely oh, popular he's, with the Carlisle fans. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and he he's one of those where you want warriors and you want people to. To absolutely hate, and he annoys you, and he gets in your skin. He's one of those who's literally like whispering into yeah. the team's shirt. And <laughs> he's so he's so sneaky about what he does. He's like he's pulling the shirt, or he'll pull the earlobe off when the referee's not listening. And he, that type of thing at his age is vital. Yeah. 100%. Um, right, well, before we get your predictions for this weekend's game, just just generally in terms of what are your expectations for the season? I know you've sort of mentioned the fact get to the 50-point mark, but overall... Where do you think you guys can finish in, in the league? Finish above the bottom four. Finish above the bottom oh. four. We've had a good season. We're Fleetwood Town. And I think some I think some people think need to forget what's gone over the summer. We've only brought four players in, oh. which is good. We didn't really need it. My expectation is just to stay up at the, this moment in time. I'd love to push for top 12. We finished 13th last year. I'd love to punish, uh, finish for, in the top 12. Don't get me wrong. But I always say at the start of the season, get to 50 points, and then then we'll have a look. I don't like saying playoffs this year, top 10 this year. Um, I've actually predicted Fleetwood to finish 15th, um, so anywhere around that would be good. But obviously, when I speak, I kind of try not to get myself into too much bother that can get myself uh, into a little bit of a... A little bit of in a corner if I predicted Fleetwood would say fourth and we finished fourteenth, for example. Yeah. But no, finish above the bottom four, and I think uh, we've had a good year. And I think the same for you. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I predicted us to finish twelfth in the four four two preview we did. I was probably being a little bit confident at the time. I would hundred percent take twentieth place right now <laughs> by anybody's hand off to finish in that position. But, but there you go, um, Ben. Yeah, before we go, what's your prediction for this weekend's game? It's going to be a tough game. I really like what you've done over the summer. Bringing back low knees, um, I think, has been vital. I really like the signing of Sam Lavelle, by the way. I think that's an absolutely outstanding signing. Brilliant at Morecambe. You're going to be tight to play against, and it's going to be, not obviously in the nicest way possible, it's going to be like a cup final for you because you're at home on the opening day of a, of a new division and it's exciting and you're going to be 
it's going to be that feel like that extra bit special, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I think I think you're going to beat us. I think you're going to beat us two one, and that that home crowd will really make the difference. And we played Port Vale, funnily enough, mm. um, last year, and on the opening day they won the playoffs, um, and they beat us two one. We went one 0 up, and we lost two one. So and they stayed up just about. So I think I think if that happened, I think you'd be a very happy man. I'd be incredibly happy. I have to say, I think you're only about the second or third person who's ever predicted us to to beat someone in the, in the predictions thing so thank you for your uh your your honesty and your feelings on that uh ben um all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend's game thank you lee and yourself mate yeah huge thanks once again to ben for giving up his time to speak to us to be the first league one club to talk with us this season about them and obviously fleetwood are a club that our fans are not going to know that that much about i suppose mike in the sense that we've you know it's the first time we've ever played them in a league fixture we've played them in the cups quite a few times now Mm. but um yeah, it's a little bit of an into the unknown, isn't it, for us, I guess, this one? Yeah, uh, and I think for them, yeah, it's it's a very much unknown season. I think mm. it's so hard to predict how they're going to do. I think in the pre-season preview, I, th- I think they might go down. I think some of these off-the-field issues, they're, yeah, an absolute mess off the pitch. And I think it wouldn't surprise me if the winds up to be a point deduction or something later in the season. I don't know, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one and a really good game for us to really set our marker. Well, what's your thoughts looking at their squad then, initially? Um, we're changing things around a bit this season. We'll do the referee a bit later on in the preview. Um, yeah, looking at their squad, it's not the biggest, is it? I know they've got a development squad, an under-21 squad, whatever you want to call it. Um, so they've got a few players they can call it from there. Um, but the, the actual first-team squad they've got available, it's quite thin, isn't it? Yeah, um... But there's certainly quality in there. Uh, I mean, Jack Marriott is a good goal scorer at this mm-hmm. level. Um, and I noticed as well, they've got Sean Rooney, who's they signed last season from St. Johnston. Yes. And he's a defender who scored five goals in 22 games, he, well, which ben a lot did, of strikers would yeah. be happy with that. Ben did say he's very much an attacking fullback. Of course, he basically said he gets he's probably better in the opposition half than he is in the in defensively. So mm. potentially that's an area you look to exploit and maybe say to Jack Armour, right? You can potentially push him back a little bit there, maybe. And mm. John, well, John Mellish as well. You'd think he's going to have to track him a bit, isn't he? So that's mm. that's an area we could potentially exploit at the weekend. You're right. I think Sean Reed did he score a, the the winning goal for St Johnson in the Scottish Cup final a couple of years ago? I seem to remember. Uh, I'm not sure. Rings a bell, that one. But yeah, yeah, he's a very good player, to be fair. I think you're right there. Um, Josh Earl as well, in defence as well. He used to play for Preston. He's, he's a pretty good player. Um, Danny May is the standout signing for this summer for them, though, isn't it? Mm. A, a real quality player at this level. I mean, he's only really left Plymouth, hasn't he, for, for family reasons, because he's from the North-West originally. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think um, he has some else. Definitely. And, and they've got Jane Stockley as well, who uh, I think... He, I think he's got pretty much like a goal every other game for extra a few years ago. Mm. I think um, most of the clubs he's been at, he's, he's been like that. I think. I think maybe Preston was the exception there. I think he just found that the step up a little bit tougher, didn't he? I think mm. uh, Preston. I mean, even in midfield, and Josh Vale is a good a good player at this level. And Brendan Wiradu, it sounds like he's playing more as a defender now. He's still listed as a midfielder, but actually he plays sort of the right side of the centre backs. I think. Mm. So I mean, he he was a really I think was it Colchester, wasn't he? I think have I imagined that name rings a bell in that I'm not sense. Sure. I'm, I'm going to double check that while we're talking here. But um, 
But yeah, I think he's another one. And like I said, they've got this development squad and Sam Fishburne is in there, of course. I don't think he's featured for the first team in preseason at all. But one player who did uh, feature um, for them in their final preseason game, at least, against Grimsby, is a young, uh, I'm going to have to get this right, uh, Malice um, Asamoa. And you think, well, why is that name familiar? Because he is the son of Derek Asamoa. Yeah. So yeah, he signed for them in the summer from, I think he was at Salami's FC in London, which is the club that Derek still plays for. I think they played alongside <laughs> each other for a game, which is quite incredible when you think about it, isn't it? But yeah, um, but yeah he he's an interesting one, because I think he had a spell out in, um, uh, oh, where was it? Oh, in Greece, I think, as well, last season, possibly. So it, how he will get on uh, will be interesting. Yeah, uh, Weirdo, yes, was it? Colchester, sorry, I've just double-checked there and I've gone back and, yep, he was at uh, Colchester a couple of years ago. So, yeah, definitely one But, yeah, it's interesting, this whole development squad, because they've got another player uh, called Promise Omasheri, who Mm. has quite a lot of promise. First one this season, Mike, well done. Get get him in nice and early. <laughs> Although you did actually manage to get one in in the season preview as well. To be fair, which interesting you mentioned about that Max Bird. I think the Hall have coming for a bit for him from Derby, oh. so he might not actually feature come the start of the season. Yeah, um, he's done quite well in preseason as well. I think that promise uh, on Macheri. Mm. I think he scored against uh, Grimsby in the final game as well. Though their preseason fixtures, looking at it, they've only take they won their first game five one at Waterford, and Waterford are their sister club, aren't they? I think the guy who Aaron's Fleetwood is obviously now in prison. Um, he also bought through the business um, Watford in Ireland, so they've got a link to Ireland, the Irish football. So they won that 5-1. In the remaining six games, they've only scored three goals. Which, considering the two mm. attackers they've got, suggests they might be a little bit of a struggle for them. And, and Ben did mention they're very much a team that tries to nick games 1-0 last season, and that might be the case again this season. Yeah, well, I think looking at them... I can see the quality up front, but I can't quite see where the service is coming from. Mm. Mayor, I suppose, is, is one player who might make a difference there, possibly. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, they are very much part of the furniture in League One, though, aren't they, when you're looking at their... Um, they're in their 10th season at 30 level, which, yeah, considering they were playing in the Northwest Counties Division 2 back in 1997, you know, 25, 26 years ago, it's quite something, isn't it? The fact that they've now spent 10 years at this level and played alongside their, their local rivals, Blackpool. They probably never mm. thought they'd play in a league fixture, would they? When you think back to it. So. No, it's incredible. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I think they're only founded in like 1997, I think. I think what it is, there's been a, a club called Fleetwood for years and years and there's a couple yeah. of times where the club's gone but or been liquidated but then reformed. They were called Fleetwood Freeport, I think, and then they changed to... Um, Fleetwood Town round about that time, I think, possibly, I think that you said, but but you're right there. I think this current incarnation's round about that period, 97, I think it was when it was formed. So, mm. so yeah, quite incredible, really, when you think about the rise. And, you know, um, their own Andy Pilly, we've mentioned that before. You obviously heard that in the chat with Ben. Yeah, he's ploughed a lot of money into the club through, his, through him and his business. And, you know, the facilities they've got there at um, Pool Farm is quite incredible, isn't it, when you look at it? Compared against what we've got at Brendan Park, it's... Mm does make you very envious. Um, but you do wonder how it's going to affect them because, I mean, undoubtedly, he still owns everything. So uh, do the business really want to continue to fund a football club? I don't know. It, it's it's a hard one to judge, isn't it? 
But sometimes as well with fraud cases, people have their assets frozen and all sorts. So yeah, I don't think any of that's happening with this because I think of the way it's happened. It's 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 very different. I think at this. I, I do think, I think short term, I think actually this season, I think I'm sort of now in agreement that it's probably not going to affect them as much, but I think you probably find over the next few seasons they're going to have to become even more self-sufficient in terms of, you know, producing these young players through their development squad and things like that. I think that's what they're going to really need. Yeah, because I think they were getting like decent gates when Blackpool fans were boycotting them yeah. with the Oystons and all that, but yeah. then obviously they've started going to Blackpool again and yeah, yeah. The, the gates aren't. I'd say that maybe the lowest. In uh, well, the they're not the lowest. No, to be fair, I'm just going to load it up now. So last season, looking at the average attendances, the lowest in the division was Accrington, who would get two thousand. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Nine hundred eighty-eight. Then you got Forest Green. They're actually. Uh, I'm just looking here. Uh, Fleetwood were twenty-first in terms of average attendances. So the average yeah. attendance was just under three thousand five hundred, which. Considering it's a town of 25,000 people, realistically, you've got Blackpool right on your doorstep. It's not a bad going, really, is it? Yeah, it's not terrible. Things. I mean, it covers quite... There's like quite a few sort of little towns sort of yeah. outside it. But, but again, they, obviously, a lot of They're also are, just outside Blackpool as well. So. Uh, yeah, most of those people are going to grow up to support Blackpool, realistically. Yeah. Aren't they? So, yeah, that, that's what you'd probably expect. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, pre-season results pretty mixed. Um, manager Scott Brown, the former Celtic uh, legend, he's um, in his second season. He's just signed a new two-year deal, I think, back in May. Um, seems to be doing pretty well there, doesn't he, considering all things, you know, getting to, what was it, 11th place finish last season? Um, sorry, 13th place finish last season. Um, yeah. Pretty good manager. You mentioned Jack Marriott there. They've already had interest in him. <laughs> From other clubs, obviously Oxford have bid four hundred k apparently for him in the like, last few weeks. So Oxford have thrown a bit of money about this preseason, I think, and trying to get him to sign for them. So if they can keep hold of him, that would be really good. If they lose him, they're going to have to get a replacement pretty quick, I think, because it, it could be a real challenge. I think if they lost Marriott in terms of goals this season, yeah, definitely. But they seem quite happy to keep him, so you'd expect he's, he's probably not going to go anywhere. Um, right. Uh, in terms of the the matches, in fact, no, not the matches. Let's start off with um, the return of a, an old feature, Mike. So um, we had a feature uh, a couple of seasons ago called um, "They Play for Both." Um, we got rid of it because we spent so long in League Two, we were covering the same clubs each time. So we're freshening it up. We're back into League One now. We've got a new chance to show these things. So uh, here's Dan has sent in a player who played for both. A little bit of a history on him, and uh, this is one he picked. We've brought this little feature back because uh, it's a new division. Uh, a lot of teams we haven't played for a long while. So we're going to go for a player who's played for both Carlisle and Fleetwood. And the random player this week is Alex Marrow. Now, what an enigma this lad was. He he was quite a coup when he signed for us because he, he was meant to be a really, really good player. He just, I don't know whether it was his attitude or his work ethic or what. It, it just never happened indeed. You know, he, he got released from us. But uh, as a player, Marrow started uh, in Bolton and then Blackburn at youth. Uh, I don't think he played a game for Blackburn. Uh, if he did, it was, you know, lower cup competitions. He had a couple of loans, Oldham, Crystal Palace, who then, who then signed him. But while he was at Palace, he got loaned back to Preston. And his first spell at uh, Fleetwood was on loan from Palace in 
2012-13 season. I think he played about 20-odd games in total. Yeah, 20 in the league, couple of cup games. Uh, he then moved back north, back to Blackburn, where he then went on loan again to Fleetwood uh, in the 13-14 season. He played eight games in league and cup, scored a goal, yeah, one of only two goals in his career. Uh, and then at the end of that 14 season, he uh, he got released by Blackburn on mutual consent and he landed at Carlisle. And he it didn't really happen for him at Carlisle. Four league games, one league cup appearance and he disappeared. Uh, he did rock up at Fylde the following season, played two or three games and then nobody really knows. little uh, tale about Maro, uh a lad I know from the southeast that I met through a work course. He actually lived next door to him when he was at Crystal Palace in Kent and he described him as a party animal. So <laughs> whether the aforementioned uh, attitude, work ethic is uh, maybe ties in with that, but that's not for us to uh, discuss. But yeah, played for both teams, Alex Marrow. There you go. Thanks very much for that, Dan. Uh, I, I think he was always going to pick Mara for that one, I think, in terms of you know getting an interesting name in there. Um, yeah. Although, looking through the list, there's one name that um, I've got a list together of quite a few of them that I'm surprised he didn't pick for this one, although maybe he's saving them for someone else, maybe. Um, you've got likes of Adam Campbell, Kyle Dempsey, of course, Ashley Easton, George Glendon, Simon Grand did a spell there as well, Geffen Jones, um, Paddy Madden, uh, Josh Morris, uh, Ashley Nadison, Jamie Proctor, Jack Salby, Ian Stevens. Mm. Again, surprised Dan didn't pick him. Michael Taylor, uh, Magno Vieira, and Robbie Wakenshaw. So there you go. That's some of the players who've played for both clubs. Um, right, uh, before we uh, get on to talking about United and what, how we expect them to line up and stuff, just a little check on the, the referee for this game. Peter Wright from Liverpool. Um, it's Wright's sixth season as an EFL referee. Last season, he handed out 75 yellows and three reds in 23 games. He must have an injury at some point because he didn't cover as many games as a lot of the referees do. Um, the last United game he took charge of was the 3-0 win over Doncaster Rose last October. He booked three players that day, one of which was Paul Huntington. Interestingly, this is an interesting little quirk of fate here, he was also referee for Fleetwood Town's opening game of last season. And that game was a 2-1 defeat at Port Vale, who had just been promoted via the playoffs. Hashtag omen. Eh? There you go. Get your money on a 2-1 win right <laughs> now. Um, yes, so Peter Wright is the referee for this one. Um, well, let's talk about United then, Mike. So first up, um, no injury issues other than Kai Nugent, unfortunately, who's um, out for about two or three more weeks, I think, with his ankle injury. A real shame that for Kai, isn't it? Because by all accounts, he was having a decent pre-season and yeah. impressing with some of his performances. No players out on loan yet, although Simo suggested that maybe a couple of them might be going out on loan soon if uh, we're able to accommodate it in terms of squad availability. Um, what we expect in formation-wise for this one, because it looks like it's going to be 3-5-2, but it looks like... There's the potential for a variation there this season. In pre-season, we've played a bit with the old box almost that um, Keith Curl had, didn't he? With like McCalman and Gibson played as number 10s behind a, a striker. I think that might have just been a case of circumstances with the lack of attackers at the start yeah, of the pre-season, so. possibly. So we reckon 3-5-2, probably. Yeah. Defence. Surely the only question here is who plays right side of centre-back? Yeah, I... 
me and Dan were talking about this the other day, and I think that Barkley is the best option there. Mm. But I think that Lavelle will start. I don't think Lavelle's quick enough to play there. Yeah. But I think he was brought in and sort of told that he'll be playing in the first team. You know, he's given the number five shirt. Um. So yeah, I would imagine he'd start. But ideally, I would prefer Barkley. But I, yeah. I agree. With you. I think Barkley's that bit more mobile. He's good on the ball. He can get up and down a little bit. You know, he's played wing back, so you know he's capable of getting up and down the pitch. Definitely. Um, yeah, um, I, I think I would prefer to see Barkley starting there 100%. I think the rest of it picks itself. Hurley in goal, obviously, and then back and arm with your wing backs and Mellish and Huntington in the other positions. Yeah. So I, I think it, it's a straight fight between them. I'd like to see Barkley, but I think you're right. I think Lavelle will start there. I don't know. Feeney was not quite as mobile as centre back and not maybe as quick, but he was he was solid enough in that area, wasn't he? You know, he could yeah. get about the pitch a bit. So. He wasn't too bad. So, yeah, straight fight between those two. Midfield, our feeling is that Guy and Moxon start. That, that's a given, yeah. I think. I think Guy's been very impressive in preseason, what I've seen of the clips of games, winning the ball back. And that's going to play a big part for us this season because I think we're going to be playing on the counter a lot more, even mm. than we did last season at times. So, Guy and Moxon. Who then goes into the third place? Well, that's the thing. I think in terms of footballing ability, I think McGeoch is probably our next best midfielder. But I think he's maybe a bit too similar to Guyan Moxon. I think mm. you need someone who's going to get forward and get into the box and stuff a, a bit more. Um, so I'd maybe say McCalman. You wouldn't start Gibson there? No? Nah, well, it's, it's one of them. McCalman, Gibson... Whoever l- let them stake a claim for the first team, and if they're not performing, bring the other one in. I think Gibson's got that little bit more quality on the ball. I'd be inclined this season to use Gibson more at home in that role, and maybe McCarman away. But I think I think McCarman will start there. I think he'll go with that midfield mm. free from last season, keep it solid, perform pretty well towards the end of the season. So I think he's going to stick with that. The big question is up front now. I've put in the thing here, I think surely Edmondson starts. Because yeah. I think he's, he's been the most impressive striker in, in pre-season. He's got a few goals under his belt and he's looked very lively whenever he's played. You know, he's, he's got so much pace to burn as well as he left, which is a really big thing. Mm. Um, who, who do you start alongside him? Do you, do you go with Garner maybe and just have a little bit, bit of a battering ram, especially against his former club maybe you might want to impress? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean... Ideally, going forwards, I wouldn't want to see Edmondson and Garner start together, but there's yeah. question marks over Maguire's fitness, um, so I'm a little bit unsure. I mean, Edmo that, but... could do the running, can't he, as well? That's the thing. You can tell him, rather than being the target man, you do the running, let Garner do the, the, the target man work. Yeah, so... y- you can do. Um, but yeah, a lot depends on Maguire's fitness. I think, for now, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Maguire come more off the bench until yeah. he's more up to starting. Um so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Garner and Edmondson up front. But we feel it's a fight with those three, don't we, really, to, for those places? Because Gibson has played as an attacker in pre-season, actually, hasn't he? He's played up a, mm. alongside Edmondson a couple of times. So he might be consideration. I think he's likely to play a striker there, though, isn't he? Yeah. Um, playing a, a wing. I think if playing one up front at home against Fleetwood on the opening day probably wouldn't go down that well. <laughs> I think it's no. fair to say. Subs-wise, then, this is, this is where you've got a question, because we've, we've got a few options now. So what do you do? You, Breeze, at the moment, is your sub-keeper, isn't he? Yeah. I presume Plange is going to be one of the subs as well, having come in yep. alone. 
So Maguire, I'm guessing whether he's fit or not, he's going to be on that bench, isn't he? So that's your attackers. Yeah. So what do you do in terms of midfielders and defenders? Well, defenders, we said Lavello Barkley start. Yeah, so one right, so whichever one isn't starting on the, uh, you know, starting goes on the bench. Um, midfield, I'd put McGeek on there. Yeah. Um, and then again, we said sort of Gibson or McAlmont, whichever one starts, the other one mm. goes on the bench. Um and then what's that? Two more spaces on the bench? Yeah, so you've got a space where I have to have another defender or two midfielders basically. Oh sorry, no. I don't know what or a midfielder. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well I I feel all your midfield boxes are ticked there. Um maybe uh Robinson. Did it feature in the last preseason game? I know it was a illness or injury, I think it was, wasn't it? The real demand. So I, I'm with you, but I think I'd put Ellis as that final defender. Yeah, maybe. Adaptable. And the midfield one I'd find tough because you've just said that and we've left both Charles and Harris out. We've both done fairly That's well. That's very in true. Yeah, I didn't even think of so that. So we're, we're quite well blessed with options in midfield, aren't we? That's the, the, yeah. the one big thing. There, I, I, I think Charters gives you a bit of versatility because he's played left wing back a bit when he was at Gateshead. Yeah. And he also By all accounts, set, he's not the best pieces. there, but yeah, um, he's a good option to have on the bench. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, we, we, I suppose we've covered in terms of the um, next up-and-coming fixture. I think Johnny covered that quite well for us in his little bit. But um, yeah, Fleetwood, Harrogate, Oxford, Wigan, Exford, Exeter and Port Vale through the opening six fixtures. I know Harrogate's in the cup, but not a bad set to have, is it really? No, not at all. Um, I think that Harrogate Cup game, you know, so uh, as we've touched on, there's a few places in the starting eleven that, you know, nobody has their name in that spot yeah. in stone. Um, hopefully a bit of rotation at Harrogate. Some players can, you know, state their claim, but it's Harrogate and they'll probably struggle and we'll probably lose, but we, we move. I, I, I'd be tempted for that game to make almost wholesale changes, basically. Yeah, oh, definitely. Change the whole, yeah. whole defence. I'd give kills for his debut there, if you, had, you know, to give him a little run out as well. Well, because I think a team that's hungry to impress is probably likely to do better there than... Yeah. A so-called sort of established absolutely, team. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, right, predictions time then, Mike. Um, I'll let you go first. Got Dan's prediction to to follow. So, what are you going for? I'm going to go for a one-nil win with a goal from from uh, Ryan Edmondson. Okay, Ryan Edmondson score against his former club. Um, I reckon we're going to surprise people. Having said we weren't going to score goals much, I think we'll shock people with a three-one win on the opening day. I think goals from Edmondson, Garner. And um, who else are we going to have for scoring goals? Um, oh, and Moxon. Why not? Moxon to get a goal. So Edmondson, Garner and Moxon. Right, here's Dan's prediction. Back to League One, eh? Uh, probably couldn't have asked for a, a better opening fixture, to be honest. Uh, Fleetwood won't have too big a following. You know, we're at home. You know, there's still a buzz after last season. Uh, you're looking at eight, nine, maybe even 10,000 judging on ticket sales so far. I'm going to go for a good, solid 2-0 home win to get the season underway. And I'm going to have goals from Ryan Edmondson and Callum Guy. All right, OK, so all three of us are going for Ryan Edmondson. So we're expecting to get up the goals nice and early. Um, and yeah, there you go. It's a free wins to start the season. 
Even even Ben predicted a win for us. So, you know, there, there you go. It shows mm-hmm. everyone's confident of this game, don't they? Um, yeah, we're not going to do the X-Files. We'll, we'll, we'll round things up a little bit more in terms of the transfers and stuff um, when we do the review of the the weekend's action, which Dan obviously collates for us. Um, so that's it for this weekend's uh, first preview of the season. Mike, yeah. feeling confident? Yeah, you know, there's not a single manager in the world I'd rather have at the helm going into this game, so... Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, we, we, we've got to be confident. We've got to enjoy it. Then today, we've been crying out to play at this level for ages. Let Let's go out there and let's get make a proper noise at Brunner Park this weekend and make it a horrible place for for teams to come. That, that's definitely. And and you know, whatever happens in the season, wherever we finish, I think there's a lot of good days and good days out to be had. And let's let's just enjoy them. You know, yeah. we've had a, we've had a few god awful days over the past few years in League Two. Let's just enjoy it. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks once again to our sponsors, the London Branch, for their support this season. Hugely appreciated again. Find out about them at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. They're also spotted about uh, away games. They're selling hit the copies to hit the bar, so just go up and ask one of them about joining, and I'm sure they'll be able to help you out. Um, upcoming episodes, uh, hoping to do a Fleetwood match review straight after the game, probably in Trump, or maybe record it on Sunday. We're going to see how we can fit it in. And then we'll do a little preview. This is one where we will do a preview also in that episode because we've got to preview the Harrogate Cup game. Uh, we'll try and fit that yeah. one into if we've got time. So, yeah, so there you go. So, yeah, thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.